Welcome to Redeemer. I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, as we get to uh, study the Word of God together, what a, what a blessing, uh, a grace from God that we get to uh, look at His Word, that we get a fellowship and community together, that we get to uh, give our prayers to Him, hear the answers and understand His presence with us. Uh, back in the back there are Bibles, and you will, as always, you'll need your Bible, whether you, you can use your phone or whatever, I'll trust that you are not... Uh, posting this at the, in live, uh, that's fine if you do, but uh, so uh, if you can get a Bible, we're going to be looking at the scriptures today. Uh, in fact, today I'll even pause and let you kind of uh, meditate on these scriptures. So if you don't have them before you, you're going to have some awkward silence. So uh, make sure we have extra Bibles back there. You can take them home with you. You can keep them. You can use them in the service. Um, but uh, you, you may feel awkward in the service today if you do not have a copy of the scriptures. Um, so I feel awkward all the time, so don't worry about it. But uh, I, hope that, uh, I hope that you'll have those. We've, uh, we've taken out uh, a section of the time, the life, uh, of our ability to communicate with you as uh, pastors and elders uh, to discuss a little bit more about what it means to be part of this fellowship, um, what it means for us to be followers after Jesus Christ together. And so we have uh, five different distinctives that we would like to uh, cover this week, uh, this, uh, over the next month or so. And these five distinctives aren't necessarily meant to say, well, this is how we are different from everybody else. Because in many ways, there are a lot of churches who are, are in, you know, we all are agreeing on these things. But we wanted to create uh, just a moment for us to discuss what are those things that you can expect from the life of this church? What are those things as we look at the scriptures, we say, you know, this is, this is of great importance. That uh, is easy for us to kind of uh, have our attention drawn away from these things. And so as the church, you should be able to recognize, I sure hope that you can recognize these distinctives as we go out, go forward, because uh, for us, it is something that's really important. It is important for uh, who we are to be as the people of God, how are we to progress in this world. And so uh, we're going to highlight those so you know, like, oh, and as we say them, you should go, uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I can see how that's happening in the life of the church. So these things are very intentional. And uh, this is what it means to be a part of the Redeemer Fellowship. Last week, we heard this first distinctive, and it really is at the first of the line, and that is that we are a, a people who are centering on God being the focus. He is, he is, God is the center of what we're doing. Now, as Justin said last week, you know, yeah, what church is not saying that, right? So... In some ways, it's not much different, but in some ways, it maybe it is a little bit different. Because what we are trying to accomplish here is not a way to make us all better people. That's not necessarily the goal here. Our goal is to find out who God is, to know him and to love him, to move towards him. So even as you maybe, maybe even feel or hopefully you've noticed in the, even in the messages, when you hear us preaching, we're going to talk about our responsibility to follow after God, but we're also going to talk, and hopefully at the end of the sermon, you are glorifying God. Like at the end, who is the hero of this? It's not that you and I have overcome anything. 
The hero of our story is that Jesus Christ has come, that God the Father is sent and the Holy Spirit is living within us. He is the hero of everything that we do. And so at the end, if you aren't going, oh my gosh, I love God. <laughs> he is awesome. If you're not saying that, then we, haven't, we need to work a little harder because that's what the scriptures are saying. That is what we are about is that we are, we are God-centered. It is all about him. It's about how we discipline our kids, God-centered. How we do our relationships, God-centered. It's not just that we might have better kids or that we might just have a better marriage, but we're saying, how does God get honor in all that we are doing? See the, a kind of a, a shift there. And so uh, today we are moving forward. God is the center. And then we're going to talk about what is our responsibility or actually a call to spiritual growth. So what we understand is that God is not calling us just to be still, just to be to, to be uh, almost kind of like get a badge, like Boy Scouts, like I did that, you know, I came to faith and I'm done. I got the badge, look, you know, I'm a Christian. But that uh, our relationship with God is one that is growing. So that we have responsibility as the people of God to grow. We can look uh, in the beginning today at Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. This little section is Jesus' uh, sermon, as Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's, telling, he's saying oftentimes, you have heard this said, but I now tell you, he is correcting those, the, the practice uh, of those who have heard the word or have interpreted it a certain way, Jesus is correcting. And in Matthew chapter 5, he is saying that we should love our enemies. He said, you, you've heard it said that you should uh, you know, love your friends and hate your enemies, but I am telling you, you are to love your enemies. And that is like at the end of the spectrum of what we ought to be doing, it seems like. Are you kidding me? I mean, that doesn't even, Jesus is even saying this. I know this doesn't make sense to you, but when you have someone who hates you and is set out against you in order to hurt you, you should love them. And everyone there and here go, what? It, it is not natural to love our enemies, right? In fact, Jesus says, uh, the, you know, if you, if you love those who love you, aren't you just living like the pagans? They do that same very thing. You're not any different. And then he finishes with Matthew 5, 48. He says this, you therefore must be, what? I'm just checking to see if you're reading your scriptures with me. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now you get the double, what, what, what? How can that be? How can we be perfect like the Father is perfect? Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, this foundational truth that he wants us to live in. He says, now you must be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. And you and I look at that and go, there must be some need for interpretation. Because we look at our lives and we say, oh, how, oh, how far, <laughs> how far I am from that. Why would even Jesus say that? It's almost like, why would Jesus say, love your enemies? Because now you say, how can that be true? So this idea of perfection is not just a, a moral perfection in that you are without sin, because we look at our lives and we see that we are, we are with sin. But he is getting at something even, 
uh, even deeper here, it is a perfection of who we are. It is a, it is a complete and maturity. So you, in order to love your enemies, it doesn't mean that you are without sin. It means that you are a mature, complete person, just like God is mature, fully mature and fully complete, that God would love his enemies. And you and I are living examples of the fact that God loves his enemies, because that's why we're here today, right? Because we were against God. We, we said, we, we put our nose up against God. All of us said, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And even though we were enemies of God, he sent his son to die for us. His son to die for us. So Jesus endured all of that because God, in his perfection, loves his enemies. He doesn't love them just passively. He loves them aggressively. He loves his enemies. And so he's, he's, Jesus is now saying, you see, that's how God is. God the Father is. You, me, need to grow in that maturity and be like God. Be like him. Be perfect as he is perfect. Now, none of us are going to arrive at that at this. If, if you do, please let me know. We'll elect you to some kind of office. But we don't get there, do we? We don't get there here in this life, but there comes a time when God is going to transform us and glorify us, and things are going to be different. But until then... We are still working. Jesus calls, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, he calls his disciples and he says, now go and make converts. No, no, no. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Disciple is different than the convert. A convert's the badge. Like, I, I did it. I, I came to faith. But a, a disciple is someone who walks with Jesus, goes with Jesus it is in a continually growing process. If you're a part of the life of the church of Redeemer, we are going to encourage you that you have not arrived, that we are still on mission. We are still moving forward in our discipleship, that God is perfecting and making us into something greater than we were before. Now, this is what you need to look at. You should turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And so if you're in the, these black Bibles in the back, we're on page 1018. If you're on your phones, it's two, space, Peter. So as we look at this, this is the time I'm going to give you to reflect. I want you to look at this, uh, what is being said here, and answer these questions. What is God calling us to do? So if you're taking notes, you can write that down too. Here's the question I want you to look at in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. What is God calling us to do? The second question is, where does the ability to accomplish this co uh, calling come from? Where does the ability come from? And finally, the third question I want you to answer as you look at this is, what should we do about this calling? What should we do about this calling? What is God calling us to do? Where does the ability to come from? And what should we be doing, actively doing, about this calling. So I'll read these, and you try and answer these questions as we go. Hopefully I'll give you enough time to do that. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Seems as if the earth might have shook with those words. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godlessly, godliness with brotherly, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What is God calling us to? 2 Peter 1. He is calling us to himself, to his own glory and to his excellence. He is calling us, he's bidding us come, come, and be perfect like I am perfect. I saved you not for the badge, I saved you so that you might grow in me. The second distinctive that we are talking about here at the life of Redeemer is a growth in the love and likeness of God. That we grow in the love and likeness of God. That we are moving forward, we're moving towards last week, moving towards the center. We are becoming more, our love is increasing, we are looking more like him, increasing in our love and likeness, likeness of God. He called us to his own glory and excellence. Where does the ability to accomplish this calling come from? It comes from God. He, he makes us, that we might become partakers of the divine nature. We have communion and fellowship with him. What should we do about this calling? Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort, every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort to supplement your faith. So what should we do about this calling? We should put effort into it. So in a sense, it's God's work. In a sense, we also are called to work, to put effort forward as well. So Today, as we talk about spiritual growth, growing in the love and likeness of God, I like to look at a few things. How do we grow spiritually? How do we measure the work? How do we see that growth in us? How do we measure that growth? That's pretty much all I want to talk about today. We are called... First of all, we are called to spiritual growth, to grow in our perfection towards God. Not in, a, not in just a moral perfection, but that he is transforming us into something else. Something else. It is not a, a box that we check at salvation. 
nor is it this thing that we, that we, uh, we say, well, I'm done. I, I've already, I've already kind of reached that. Like, I can look back on my history. I have not missed church in 17 years. I'm mature. Every time I got a star because I brought my Bible with me. I didn't have to use one of those pew Bibles back there. I brought it with me. I've memorized 17 scriptures. I have witnessed with my obligatory, to obligatory three people a year. Like, I've done it. I, I, I've been doing this for a while. I've made it. Do you, do you think that's what he's talking about here? No, no. We have not made it. We are on our way. We are continuing to grow in the Lord. So no matter where you are, if you are a newbie in the group here, you just came to faith, the message to you is keep growing. If you are long in the whiskers, keep growing. You're not done yet, right? I mean, in some ways, some of us who've been around for a while, who've been in church, we need to be shaken up a little bit. God's not done with us yet. Amen. God's not done. But that's also a glorious thing because it is God who is at work in us. And he doesn't want to be done yet. He's still perfecting and making us. And he is going to keep doing that all the way until our last days. Partakers in the divine nature. Mm, that's good news. So let's talk about how does this growth come about? You know, it's, um, it's hard. Uh, I may get marked down in my uh, preaching at the end of this um, by the elders as they come together this afternoon. But one of the challenges talking about growth is like all of, its, all of these metaphors that go throughout. So I'm going to have to mix all kinds. Of, there, there may be all kinds of metaphors that jump in there. So you have to just forgive me. Because so much about growth is about biology. And so he's, he's constantly looking back and, at whoever the speaker is. Maybe it's Paul or maybe it's Jesus. And, and they talk about how things growing, how you can look at things in the physical and see how they're growing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue that theme today and, and talk about what do we see in regular kind of growth. Like if you were to plant a tomato plant, how would you get tomatoes out of that? Well, there's several things, several factors that go into uh, doing a tomato plant. My mother-in-law uh, has, uh, in our backyard, has a big rectangular box there. And uh, I did the box part of it, but I leave, they've got the rest of it. And so she employs the kids to come out there, and they're pulling weeds, and they're hacking things up. And so they're preparing the soil. They're adding in nutrients. And so t getting tomatoes is not just going to the store when you want to do it yourself, right? I mean, there's a lot of work that's involved in getting the tomatoes. So they're, they're digging around in the earth. They're pulling out weeds. And so they prepare everything. They stick the seed in there. They cover it up. And then... They wait. And so this kind of, this kind of uh, a work of spiritual growth reminds us of the, the physical growth that happens with any kind of plant. Look at Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. To, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. He is expecting us to grow. And so this is the growth process. The seed is planted. There is work that goes in it. What is the work that is causing the growth? 
Well, there is work that is around the growth that is actually not causing the growth. So when, my, when, when little, uh, little Kate is getting it with her hands in the dirt, what is the work that, she's ho- that they're hoping is going to cause the tomato to grow? Well, the work in the spiritual terms, the things that we are supposed to be doing, is that we are supposed to be doing a, a kind of work in the Word. So there, there are two kinds of work. There is the work of the Word, and there is the implementation of the Word. Remember in the book of James, it says, do not just be a hearer of the word, but do what it says. Be a doer of the word. So in order for spiritual growth to happen, our work is the preparation of the soil. It is the breaking up of things. It is, it is the pushing the seed in the ground. So we do have a responsibility in our spiritual growth. And that, spiritual, that, that responsibility pertains to the word of God. Are we receiving the word of God? 1 Peter 2.2 says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long after the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. We should long for the word of God. We should, we should be enjoying the word of God. We should keep coming back to the word of God. And we as older believers may say, well, I've already read it. We continue to grow in the word of God, don't we? We continue to know him as we feast on the word of God. So if you are going to grow spiritually, the, the spiritual growth requires that you are in the word of God. Say the word of God. You are not going to grow without being immersed in the Word of God. If you do, it'll be a stunted growth because that is the work that we place into it. It is the spiritual discipline. We must be in the Word of God. What is God saying? What is He doing? What does He want from me? How do I go forward? All of those things, how do I get to know Him? It is through the Word of God. Our spiritual discipline is the spiritual discipline of Word And then as James says, work. Then do what it says. Practice those things. Live those things out. This is the work and word. That is the effort that we see that we are supposed to put forward. We saw here in this earlier passage in in 2 Peter, it is with every effort, supplement your faith. And how do we do that? We supplement our faith through the word and through work. So the question is right here. How are you doing? What is your Bible intake? Is it only Sunday mornings? Is it study throughout the week? Is it knowing Kim? Is it meditating on the scriptures? Memorizing the scriptures? Reciting them with your family? calling your kids in and reading those scriptures to them? Are you immersed in the word? And then, are you doing what it says? Like, does that word then compel you to live a different way? And you begin practicing those things. That is, that is the, a good soil, good work soil for spiritual growth. So when I go out in my backyard and I look at that rectangle, 
I usually see nothing. And I, and I know my mother-in-law goes past that more often to I, 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 than I do. I know Judy that's looking, she's looking and going, still nothing. Still nothing. When's it coming? And then it seems like when you've almost like given up, right? Something pops out. You're like, oh, there is something down there, right? Something's, something's happened. But you know, the power to make that come up has nothing to do with Kate's little hands in the dirt, right? The power to do it is a mysterious thing. It is an organic thing. It's something that's beyond what any of us in this room can do. We can't make things grow. We don't have the capacity to do it. We can only create a, an environment in which it can happen. But the good news is, Philippians tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're digging in the dirt. For it is, what? For it is God who is at work within us. To will and to work for his good pleasure. That means God is excited about you and me sprouting and growing to his glory. And just as maybe we are waiting anxiously to see something happen, and definitely all the people around us are waiting to see something happen in our lives, God is working in his powerful way to transform us in ways that we cannot transform ourselves. Here's where I think the, the, the analogy falls short because at the end you just have tomatoes, right? I would like to think more of, of my mother-in-law putting Jack's beans, right? Putting Jack's beans in the ground. Because when Jack's beans came up, they kept growing, right? And kept growing these magical beans that we, he gave so much to get. And so he sticks these beans in the ground and they grow and they grow and they grow all the way up into heaven. Amen. And so what God is doing in us is he is maturing us all the way to heaven. He is perfecting us all the way into heaven. And it is God's work. That's good news. So we, we toil in, in the word, we toil in the work, but it is God who causes the growth. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's talk about the soil itself. What is, what is the context for our spiritual growth? I don't want you to miss this. You see, it isn't just us by ourselves. When Jesus is, is calling his disciples, he's always talking about, like, almost always talking about you in the plural, like you guys, you all, or you need to do this. When, when in 1 Corinthians we see that, the, uh, in, in Ephesians, where we see that the, the church is called the body of Christ, and in Ephesians it tells us that we are to grow up into the head, that we as the parts are growing up to the, into the head. That means that your spiritual life is not your own. And the context in which spiritual life happens is in the context of community. So if you remove yourself from the context of community, you can expect to have stunted growth. That is not the context in which God wants you to grow. Uh, outside, it's not the context he wants you to grow. He wants you to grow within community. You know, as we, we got together as, 
as men last Wednesday, uh, two Wednesday nights ago, we, we spent time in looking at the word. We spent time in prayer together. We spent time in confession. That's part of the work that we're talking about. And then there was a time in which we got to go around the room and anybody you want to could speak about another man and give him honor. And we could say, I see this fruit in your life. Oh, man, it was powerful. And as I looked at the, the men in this group, I was like, oh, my gosh, I could, I could say something about, I think, every one of these guys. Where I see the Spirit of God is working in them, and they had this certain kind of maturity, at least in this particular area. And it was honorable. You could go, oh, that's awesome. I see God in you. They even had nice things to say about Bob Eddington. I mean, because we, we were able to see, like, I can see God in you. I know that that's not like probably who you naturally are, but God is at work in you, brother. Be encouraged. You see, that needs to happen in community. We need other people to encourage and lift us up and remind us of the scriptures, especially when we fall to encourage us to, to teach and to equip and to walk together and then to, be, to have people in our life whom we are teaching. Spiritual exercise is part of our growth that we, it must be done in community. Two places in which is the, the fertile ground of spiritual growth is community and crisis. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joys, my brother, when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you want to grow up in the Lord? Some of you are saying no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually fine. I, this is exactly where I want to be. It's okay especially if there's going to be crisis or there's going to be trial. Spiritual growth requires community and crisis. So, he, so, so Paul can say, look, I mean, James can say, look, when you're in the midst of a trial, know that it's part of God's work in you. It's, it's right back to what Jesus says. It's one of those things like, what? In Matthew chapter 5, I'm supposed to be perfect like God? Yeah, that is going to happen. And the way God does it is he puts us in community and he puts us in crisis. You need both of those. Church, do you want to grow spiritually? Be in community? And know that when you're in crisis, that God is still at work in your life. It will be hard, but it is part of God's work in you for your maturing, for your maturation, for your completion, the perfection. Finally, let's look at uh, a couple of measures of growth. How do you know that you're, uh, that you're making progress? In 2 Peter 1, 5, through 5, it says this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. We should see this continual growth process. When I was, uh, when I was little, uh, we had bunk beds 
and uh, I slept on the top, and my brother slept on the bottom, and we, I later found out he had written all kinds of horrible things on that wood right above his head, you know? And so I would sleep, and I would put my, I want to know I, how much I'd grown the night, during the night, because I had heard, like, you grow more at night. Have y'all heard this before? That like, you grow more at night than any other time. So I would put my feet against the baseboard, you know, or whatever you call the, the bed, bed board. What, what, what is that? The, the bottom. And so I'd put my foot there, and I'd lay there and try and be very still, and I would, like, measure where I am on this bed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be very still. And so, like, the whole time I'm sleeping like this, and I'm going to find out exactly how I did. And then when I woke up in the morning, of course, you know what happened. I'm, I'm like this. And I couldn't measure um, because... Well, first of all, I wasn't very good at measuring, but also my growth was going to take much more time than that. Isn't that one of our challenges in our spiritual growth? Sometimes it seems so excruciatingly slow. So take a minute and take a, a bigger, a, a wider lens. The question is, how are, you doing, how are you doing compared to this time last year? Do you see any spiritual growth? When I talk about spiritual growth, I want us to think about what we are measuring here. What we are measuring is, are you becoming more like God? Are you loving him and looking more like him? Are you moving in towards the likeness and love of God? Have you increased in your a love for God? Have you increased in your likeness of God? Are you, are you someone, like we see the fruit of the Spirit, do you have more love? Do you have more patience than you had last year? Is there more, do you have more kindness? Is your joy more rampant? You ever tried to like produce those things? They, they, they don't happen by themselves, it, it seems as if there are times in our life where we just take a jump, right? Like, oh, look, I'm a little more patient. I used to just want to, and maybe even did. But now there is more patience about me. It, oftentimes it comes after a trial. <laughs> like now I can endure those things. I can endure people. I, can, I have a, great, a greater amount of patience. I have great kindness, goodness. I, I'm more faithful than ever before. I'm finding that I'm more generous. It isn't, catch this, that spiritual growth isn't the same thing as I'm reading my Bible more, I'm checking that box for that, I, I am, uh, I'm coming to church more, all those things. Those, that is the work that is the, gr is the groundwork for this spiritual growth. It is a discipline. So I encourage you in the spiritual disciplines, do those things and then watch God make a beanstalk that goes to heaven. And I would imagine with most of you, without being too proud, you can look and go, you know, a year ago, I was a little more like this, but I, I can see, I can see. Today, if you look back and you can look in your life and you say, wow, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that that's the case for me. I would, I would check around you. 
What are you doing? Are you in community? Are you, um, are you seeking to draw closer to him? Are you in the word? Are you doing what the scriptures say? We have not arrived yet. He's moving us closer to him in his likeness. And it's by the power of God. The beautiful thing is, God is at work. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, God is at work in you. And maybe you stalled out. Maybe you stalled out this year. Continue to be faithful. And God will have his way. For it is God who is at work in us. That's good news. And then finally one day, we'll be with him for all of eternity. But be faithful. Let us grow together as the people of God, seeing him as the center.